You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. We are live, but we're letting it breathe. All right, grab the oxygen tank. Stream's got to breathe just for a moment because, gang, we got to bring Facebook into the equation. Get the tribe under one tent here, and we'll get the party started proper. And it looks like we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Blue Wire Pods. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, with me, my fellow football priest and the deputy editor of MileHighHuddle.com, Zach Kelberman. Zach, I know that there are a vocal minority of listeners that just get real fed up that we continue to talk about Aaron Rodgers and I was looking at it actually on YouTube. <clears throat> the last three counting tonight streams, so from MHI to Huddle Up and Huddle Up, have been titled around Aaron Rodgers. But each of the three days, even though it's nothing momentous, Zach, each of these three days has actually provided some new information slash rumors slash reports. He's still in the same situation, Zach, but there is a newer development that specifically references the Broncos that I want to get your take on. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier, that when you hit mid-June until late July, I after covering the NFL for over half a decade now, I like to call it the aggregation period, because there's no news. That's what you have to do is dig around the internet and try to find topics and content that pertain to the team that you cover. And I was doing that while writing a Cowboy story aggregated by Bleacher Report, so it's kind of ironic there. But my point in saying this is, when you don't have something that's aggregated, when you have news firsthand that comes out, and when you have news that comes out about the team you cover, and that news is about a future Hall of Fame quarterback that might be landing with the team that you cover, or anything related to that, you got to talk about it, you got to bring it up, you got to write it. And I think the hundreds of thousands of view, views and readers and sessions that we've gotten on these articles, Chad, outweigh the minority that you mentioned that don't like us talking about it. Listen, guys, it does get, you know, same old overran and whatever cliche you want to use, but it's Aaron Rodgers and there's a new development. We have some new wins pushing him maybe toward Denver, maybe not. We're going to break it down. We're going to give our opinions. You guys can disagree with that but we're never going to ignore a topic about Aaron Rodgers and the Broncos. I mean, put those two things together. That seems like a train up our alley, doesn't it? Well, and think about it. I mean, it could be worse. We could sit here. We could be sitting here. I mean, decide which crazy conversation you want to have. Do you want to drive yourself crazy talking about the same old roster battles that are shaping up? The second string long snapper. That's my battle I'm watching this summer. Right. Or do you want to kind of bask in the unique – aligning of the stars that has a future hall of fame quarterback potentially in play to land in Denver. So the way we look at it as writers, uh, as publishers, as editors, as content creators, we look at it as, Hey, the sun's shining. So we're going to make some hay. All right. Now to the matter at hand, Zach, let's grab this. What was said and, uh, you did a good job here on the report. So I'm just going to quote this for a second. Uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler, as we, Well, let me just start from the top. Broncos like Aaron Rodgers, but here is the all-important distinction. It doesn't appear the Broncos love Aaron Rodgers. Not enough to, quote, overreact right now for the MVP quarterback per ESPN's Jeremy Fowler. Fowler reported on Saturday uh, Saturday morning's edition of SportsCenter that Denver remains, however perfunctory, in the Rodgers trade sweepstakes and would, quote, look into 
his acquisition if the disgruntled 37-year-old is made available by the Green Bay Packers. So, Zach, this isn't necessarily like breaking news because we've had previous reports that the Broncos are you know, monitoring the situation. But here we are now early July, but deep now into the NFL summer. The Broncos are still making it clear through their you know, well-placed, strategically placed media mouthpieces that they are ready to talk Aaron Rodgers if and when the Green Bay Packers smarten up and say, look, we got nothing to gain here by by Aaron Rodgers holding out, so let's go ahead and get while the getting's good. You know, I said yesterday, because the previous Fowler report said there's no trade market right now for Aaron Rodgers, and we speculated that maybe that was Rodgers' camp or the Broncos' camp, but he said multiple teams he talked to, and obviously the Broncos are one of them. But here's the thing about Fowler's report that I find – Not so much news. George Payton told us this already. He's going to be aggressive but not reckless. So, of course, he would look into his acquisition. Of course, they're monitoring. Of course, they're going to keep their name in the Rodgers sweepstakes just in case he does get out of Green Bay. But they're not going to overreact. They're not going to swing a blockbuster franchise-altering trade on July 5th if they don't have to right now. They're not going to surrender three first-round picks and a foundational talent, et cetera, et cetera, right now if they don't have to. But this could confirm at least that the Broncos haven't done their homework on Aaron Rodgers' availability, that trade situation. They've done maybe due diligence, the baseline, what they have to do in the event he does shake free. But my read on this is the Broncos are checking in, other teams are checking in, and Green Bay is telling the truth when they say he's not available. They're holding to their guns right now, as far as I'm concerned. Here's the direct quote uh, from Fowler via 24-7 Sports. I'm told from the Broncos' perspective that, yes, they are monitoring Rodgers and whatever situation might be out there with quarterbacks, but they like their current setup. They like Drew Locke and believe he's a different guy this year with his work ethic. Whoa, that's interesting. That's a new flavor. That's a new ingredient into this gumbo, right, this QB gumbo that we've been uh, fixing to, to eat. And they like Teddy Bridgewater. They believe he can win games too. They'll look into Rodgers if he's available He's not. So they're certainly not going to overreact right now. Close quote. Zach, what I actually find the most interesting of everything Fowler said in this report is this little piece here. They like their current setup. They like Drew Locke and believe he's a different guy this year with his work ethic. Is this surprising, though, to you or I? No, not at all. This is surprising to the anti-lock crowd, the people who are afflicted with LDS, who believe that somehow his work ethic needs to be called into question. Somehow work ethic is the reason he didn't take the mantle last year or he's not what Broncos fans thought he would be. But again, George Payton told us all this. He said he likes Drew Locke. He was happy to bring in Teddy Bridgewater. And again, we said this the day it was made, the trade on the night of the draft or the night before the draft, the timing of that trade told us what it what it needs to tell us about the Broncos quarterback situation. They are okay with Drew, but they wanted to fail safe in Teddy Bridgewater. It never struck me as a GM after making that move that he was going to then go out and flip one of those quarterbacks or acquire a third in either Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. I take Fowler at his word here, and I'm not being hypocritical or I'm not being biased when I say that. George Payton told us this. He's going to be aggressive, but not reckless. He likes the Broncos quarterbacks right now. He's going to always be involved in every deal, but he'll never jeopardize the Broncos short-term or long-term standing. So I think it's encouraging. It's very interesting. It really does interest me that that is still the message they're putting out there. Because look, 
Fowler's not a guy that's in the building every day, even when football is taking place. You know, Fowler's a national beat guy, and he's the type where, you know, maybe he'll go on a summer training camp tour, and that's about the only time you're going to see him in the building. This is a strategically placed national guy, and they're telling him, not Mike Kliss, not Jeff Legwald, not Troy Rank, not Benjamin Albright, per se, although I'm sure Albright has has gotten a lot of information on this that he doesn't necessarily blab about every day, but... Zach, they're telling Fowler that we like Drew. Why? Well, because we really like the way he's attacked this offseason. That's encouraging. That's encouraging. Even if you're not one who is kind of postured with an optimistic view on Drew, that should be encouraging to you. Even if you are the most uh, skeptical Broncos fan on Drew Luck, that should be encouraging to you. Because when you take that, Zach, that the Broncos so far have been really geeked up about his uh, work ethic and the what he's done and how hard he's worked this offseason to improve. And you combine that with the fact that he's getting coaching continuity for the first time as a pro. You combine that with the fact that he's getting his number one wide out, that he had a freaking mind meld going on with Cortland Sutton. You combine that with Noah Fant's perspective, year three leap, Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler, year two leap, and an offensive line that showed it could really come together. And you can start kind of getting excited about this offense. I'm very much excited about the offense, and I can't believe anyone would question Locke's work ethic. When I in in George Payton's introductory press conference, he mentioned that he's already seen Locke in the building. This is a first one in, last guy out type of player in Locke. You can criticize him for a lot of things, but I always thought his work ethic or leadership or love for the game, uh, those criticisms were really unwarranted. One other point, Chad, Fowler brought up July 27th as the new deadline for a Rodgers trade to be consummated if it does get consummated. That is the date the Packers report to training camp. So beep, beep, beep. That sound you hear are the goalposts being moved back. It was June 2nd, then it was uh, July 2nd with the opt-out deadline. Now it's July 27th. It strikes me as one side trying to keep hope alive for a trade that likely won't materialize. But one day later, July 28th, the Broncos began their own training camp in Denver. So it should be interesting. Now we have 22 days to go until the third artificial deadline for a Rodgers trade. That is interesting, and especially combined with what I was told by a guy I talked to in June about, hey, man, they're looking at end of the month would be like the latest that they could reasonably expect to trade for Aaron Rodgers and still have time to get him up to speed. When in reality, I get that. When in reality, as long as he's there for day one of training camp and he's there for the preseason, regardless of what team he lands with, even if it's his own, even if it ends up him returning to the Packers, you should be made in the shade considering his experience. Let's grab this one super chat that matters of business. Sam Bam, what's going on, dude? Thank you for the super. Great to see you. Appreciate your support. He says, what's up, guys? And by the way, Sam Bam, are you on Twitter? I don't think if you are, we're connected. So reach out. He says, what's up, guys? So I don't think Rodgers comes to Denver. In parentheses, he's got go Drew Locke. But what's the really important date for Rodgers? July 27th, when Green Bay's camp starts. I'm curious to know when this truly gets interesting. Zach, as we've talked about many times on this podcast, helping our our community kind of understand the cynical ways of the NFL, most issues that are unresolved do not reach resolution until and unless one side butts up against a deadline. When it's a crap or get off the pot, then usually you'll see some sort of movement. Now, is that a real deadline, the 27th? No, because I'm sure if the Packers said no to every team on the 27th and then suddenly decided on August 4th, yes, you're going to have teams lining up ready to make that deal. 
but it's still something to kind of circle and look forward to on the calendar. I think that, and looking back on it now, June 2nd was such a premature deadline. July 2nd was such a premature deadline. And July 27th will prove to be the same thing. You're talking about a star player who doesn't need, if let's say it goes back to Green Bay at the last minute before week one, he doesn't need real continuity or first string reps. He's Aaron Rodgers. He runs that offense. And likewise, you would like him to have some time in training camp or the preseason with a new team, but how long would he really take when he would just kind of bypass Pat Shermer's playbook in Denver, be like, listen, Pat, I got this. I'll call my own plays here like Peyton Manning did. He would need just a couple weeks. You talk about more so than chemistry and continuity, football conditioning and football shape. This is a guy who's hosted game shows. He's been hiking in Hawaii and California, doing all, all sorts of things, playing golf. He hasn't been practicing, playing football, staying involved with the sport. So you have to give him time to get on that page. But even so, he's a 38-year-old quarterback. He's been around the block multiple times, headed for Canton, Ohio. Uh, I just it, it reminds me, this is Hard Knocks week. The announcement came, and it reminds me of when the Jets were on. Jarrell Revis' holdout, which is one of the best storylines of any Hard Knocks uh, series there was. And he returned right before week one in the practice days leading up to week one. And he assimilated right back in the defense. I know he's a cornerback. I know it's less important than a quarterback. But with veteran players who are that good, you don't need that long if you want to make uh, an acquisition or a, a change. Shoot, even Brett Favre, one of the reasons that right. the Packers' patience was warrant thin is he'd vacillate on, am I going to retire? And when really what you found out after the fact was he just didn't want to show up to OTAs, man. He's a freaking veteran headed for the hall of fame. Do I really need to be at OTAs? So he would vacillate and then show up when camp started and off to the races, the Packers would go, but guys, there's a lot more to get to tonight. I see a few more supers <laughs> stacked up a few topics. We'll get to them. Zach. No, I just see, I just want to address real quick. I'll, I'll be really succinct with my response here to Silman Graves. Hasn't been practicing. How do you know? You act like you have no clue. Uh, he wasn't at OTAs and he wasn't at minicamp. That's what I mean by not practicing. He's not there with his team. So by association, I can surmise that he's not in football shape right now. That's the whole point I'm saying. When If he was in the building with the Packers, staying in football shape, he hasn't been, though, and he's going to need at least a little acclimation period. Not a huge deal, Silman, but I want to make that distinction. Real quick, make sure you're connected with us on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And then while you're at it, you want to connect with our main account, at MileHighHuddle. Connect with our producer, Buona Beast on Twitter, at John K. My partner in crime here, Zach Kelberman, at KelbermanNFL. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Also, Follow the Facebook page for the Huddle Up podcast. Open it up on your phone or navigate facebook.com slash milehighhuddlepod on your browser. Give the page a like and a follow. Automatically enrolls you into our randomly selected raffles. Each and every week could be an MHH hat, a t-shirt, could be a little piece of Broncos swag, little something, something to incentivize you to follow that page because we have some big plans content-wise for the Huddle Up podcast Facebook page, but we can't really roll them out until we get to scale. So help us out over there. Also, kindly consider becoming a supporter of Mile High Huddle on Facebook. If you go to the Mile High Huddle page, hard to miss, all right, 95 some odd thousand fellow Broncos fans following the page, you'll see a big blue button at the top says become a supporter. Click that, it's five bucks a month. You immediately are not only helping keep the lights on here at MHH Central, but you get access to our premium VIP video content, which includes Kelberman's Corner every Sunday at noon, the Trickle Zone every Saturday at noon Mountain Time, and Broncos Book Club with yours truly, which I think for now we're going to keep at around 2 p.m. on Saturdays. Appreciate your guys' support over there. Check it out. And then, guys, also check out the merch store, huddleuppod.com. 
get your swag on. John will put up a, a screen cap of some of the options that are there, but it's just another way to support the brand. Get a hat, get a t-shirt, rep the cause. It's your team's colors, and it's the brand that you come to, your number one source for Denver Broncos news and analysis. We appreciate you guys. And if you're not in a position to do those things, it's all good. Believe us when we say we're just stoked to have you with us. Check to make sure you're subscribed, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you enjoy the show. Like this video kindly if you're on YouTube or Facebook, you guys. That goes a long way. If you can do nothing else, you can't support on Facebook, you can't super chat, you can't send stars, you can't buy merch. It's all good. If you just like this video on YouTube, on Facebook, that in and of itself is worth its weight in gold. Here's a recently designed MHH t-shirt you can see at huddleuppod.com. Get one for yourself. And guys, also look, the third thing is the litmus test that we really measure if we're doing a good job or not is whether or not you're sharing this content out, retweeting it, Facebook, uh, your social media, right? That's the biggest testimonial for us. So if you think we're doing a good job or at the very least you respect the effort, then share this video out there and help us continue to grow and reach the Broncos fans just like you that are wandering blind in the desert, oblivious to the fact that this community is out here waiting to embrace them and perhaps lead them to an oasis. All right. All right. No more. No more metaphors. Here we go. Zach, let's grab this super chat from Max Power across the pond. Thank you for the super chat, Max. Good to have you with us, my friend. Why do people act like Teddy has a low ceiling? He went 5-0 and in New Orleans and a 9-2 touchdown to interception ratio, which DL can only, Drew Locke can only dream up. Sure, I'll hear how Pat Shermer sucks, unlike Sean Payton. So Teddy won't achieve in Denver. LOL. Zach? Uh, <laughs> we talked about this before we went on. We saw this comment that was waiting for us. Uh, first of all, I think people who laugh at their own jokes is pretty cringeworthy. That's first of all, Max. Second of all, you know, we're, we're, we're hyping up. Bridgewater's record in New Orleans. He did go 5-0, and but you can pull up the box score for yourself of those games. He wasn't the main reason why they won. And even if you want to attribute that success to that team, well, Locke went 4-1 and as a rookie in 2019 with a much less talented team, with a much less talented coaching staff, and he doesn't get nearly the same credit for that. Not a big discrepancy going 4-1 and versus 5-0. and Third of all, no one really said Teddy Bridgewater has a low ceiling. We just said it's not as high as Drew Locke's. And if you look at that objectively, we know what Teddy Bridgewater, for the most part, is in the NFL. We can't say the same thing about Drew Locke just yet. And the book's still out on him. And I see comments to the side there. It's personal for me. And the other side always uses such hyperbole. You know, it's personal zealotry and it's religious for me. Uh, it's not at all. I've been on here multiple, more times than I can even count or recount for you. I've been... If he doesn't cut it, he should be replaced, and he will be replaced. He will be out of Denver next year. He does not deserve to be handed anything, does not deserve to be grandfathered into anything. That's not personal. That's cutting it right down the middle and calling it like that is. I just hope for the Broncos' sake that someone like Drew Locke with a higher ceiling at quarterback reaches that ceiling because it would benefit the team. That being said, though, if Teddy Bridgewater gets in there and his higher floor, which I don't think is in dispute, can help the Broncos, and I support him as well. But if you're going to cherry-pick stats, Max, that help your argument, I can come back with the same stats at you from the other side. So it's always going to be a dichotomy. We both have our lines in the sand here, but don't act like Teddy Bridgewater is the second coming of Peyton Manning because he went 5-0. and When you look at the team around him with Michael Thomas and Kamara, and yeah, you want to talk about Sean Payton compared to Pat Shermer? That's like comparing 
an adult to a toddler, at least what we saw last year. Sean Payton is one of the best head coaches in the NFL and one of the best offensive minds in the NFL. Max, could you look at me with a serious face and tell me Pat Shermer is one of the best offensive minds in the NFL? It comes down to that. It's really that simple. Indeed. Look, I have said that Teddy Bridgewater has a higher floor than Drew Locke. And I have said that Drew, that I believe Drew Locke's ceiling is higher than Teddy's, but I've never said ever that Teddy has a low ceiling. Teddy Bridgewater is what he is. <clears throat> you know, he's not going to come in and save the day. As Zach said, that 5-0 and resume, look, he was plugged into a New Orleans roster, man, that was built for speed and comfort. All right, this guy, this, this roster was loaded for bear, and we have examined, <clears throat> in fact, we've done it live on this show in days past, Teddy's box score contributions in those games, and he was exactly what you would think he would be, right? He was the deliver the ball to the playmakers, let him go to work, you know, move the chains on third down. You didn't see Star Wars. You didn't see Drew Brees' numbers. That's for Dak sure. And so when Teddy's – and even his one Pro Bowl year in Minnesota, and this is not me trying to take away from Teddy. I do like Teddy, believe it or not. Even if you look at his Minnesota year, all right, this was a, another team that was just – great defensively. Uh, they were, they had a good rushing attack. They had weapons on offense. Like Teddy was set up to succeed there, but when you had to put him in a situation where it's sink or swim off the ingenuity, talent, etc., of the quarterback for the most part, kind of alone, right? Not alone, but you get what I'm saying where he has to be the tip of the spear as in Carolina doesn't quite go so well. And the Broncos know that, all right, the Broncos know what he is. He is a great keep things rolling guy while you figure out what's next or keep things rolling guy while your starter heals up. That's who Teddy is now. And I like Teddy. And I think with this roster, we talked last night about how PFF Zach ranked him in the top 10 amongst NFL rosters, only the chiefs, only the bills and only the Ravens ranked higher than the Denver Broncos relative to the AFC. That's exciting. And I think with a roster like that, if the Broncos either had to or chose to turn to Teddy Bridgewater, you can be a competitive force on a relatively week-in, week-out basis with Teddy, but he's not going to take you to the promised land. You're not getting over the hump in a general sense. Like You might actually threaten and make a, the playoffs as a wild card, but like, think about this. when Unless you literally get the second coming, Zach, of the 2015 Broncos defense going up against you know Patrick Mahomes in that offense where it's smothering the Chiefs, I don't see Teddy Bridgewater coming out too well in any kind of prospective shootout. Now, look, the, the the critics or the contrarians will say, well, yeah, but look at the box score last year when the Panthers played the Chiefs. And there is that. I'll give him that. All right. But I'm just telling you, based on what we know about Teddy, the Broncos did well by raising the worst case scenario. They raised the floor. They mitigated the worst case scenario of the quarterback room, Zach, which allows them the freedom, the wiggle room, to take some chances one last time with Drew. That's really why Teddy's here. To me, this question and this argument is less about Teddy Bridgewater, who I admit there's some positives he brings to the table. And I'm not going to cry myself to sleep if he ends up getting the starting job by default or by injury. I think the Broncos can and would be competitive with him at quarterback. This argument to me is more about Pat Shermer. 
To me, there's nothing based on what we saw last year that he brings positive to the table. He hampered literally every single notable Broncos skill player on offense last year. Every single one. He outright ignored them. He didn't call plays conducive to their success. He just was horrible in most aspects of his job, including and especially quarterback. He was hired to be a whisperer or a guru, and he could have been anything less than that. And I saw another comment from Silman. This is the last time I'll fall for a troll comment, at least for tonight. He brings up when Pat Shermer won assistant of the year. And that's the only thing pro Shermer people have to hang their hat on, him winning that. And it's amazing because he won that on the strength of what Case Keenum did on the strength of that miracle play in Minneapolis. In Minneapolis. If that play never happened, does Case Keenum get the contract from the Broncos? Does Pat Shermer win? Uh, assistant of the year? Probably not. And that if that's the only thing we can say about him, a twice-failed head coach who no one else wanted, who the Broncos made a downgrade from, from Rich Gangarello, that he won a coordinator assistant of the year, that's his only accolade. What does that really say in this day and age when you have young guys, 35, 40 years old, going to title games and beyond? I wanted to be a believer in Pat Shermer. You guys can remember when that move was made, January 2020, I was, you know, I, I grabbed the glass, took a look at it. Oh, it's half full. The scales, unfortunately, fell from my eyes uh, in chunks as the 2020 season rolled on. Real quick, let's shift gears here from Rick on YouTube. He wants to know how to participate in the Broncos Book Club. How do I get a copy of the Elway book that you've been talking about? Well, it's called, uh, this is by Jason Cole, real quick. Uh, Elway, A Relentless Life by Jason Cole. Amazon, my dog, Amazon. How does anybody get anything these days? You go to Amazon and you order it, right? Uh, shout out to Michael. And by the way, follow along in the book. Keep up. It'll be fun. We'll have conversations about specific chapters each week. It's a lot of fun. Michael, shout out to you, my friend. Appreciate you being with us. Uh, and let's grab Dale, legendary superstar in the house. What's up, brother? Says Huddle Up Podcast, shoot out a shout out to Dylan and Beast behind the scenes. Three weeks to real football. There will always be a new Aaron Rodgers deadline. LOL. Uh, Denver Broncos 2021. Yeah, dude. Three weeks. That's right. We're see, July 5th, 23 days, right? July 20 weeks. Yeah. yeah. It'll be here soon. I mean, it'll be here soon, dude. It'll, and then things really start. You know, the rocket leaves Cape Canaveral and we're blasting off into the stratosphere and it's going to be a lot of fun. So that's not to say that we're going to be sitting here twiddling our thumbs between now and then. There's plenty to talk about. I mean, even if we didn't have the Aaron Rodgers stuff, like even if uh, this morning the news was Aaron Rodgers returns to Packers with tail between legs, um, we would still have plenty to talk about from the rosters to the to the battles. You know, we could even get creative and we will, Zach, coming up with some fun stuff like between now and when training camp starts, we should do some fun stuff like setting up pods where we celebrate a specific Denver Broncos great or talk, hey, let's get to the top five running backs of all time as a segment and let's break down some of that stuff where we all as fans of football and fans of the Denver Broncos can kind of relish and, and enjoy and talk about the things that we're also passionate about. So we'll get to that stuff, my friend. Thanks, Dale. You know, that headline you put out could be written in real life in the not-so-distant future. You know, it's that's the reality with the Aaron Rodgers saga. As much as Broncos fans are hoping, there's the very distinct possibility he goes back to Green Bay like nothing happened, probably with a, an assuaged contract of some sorts. But, Dale, we appreciate you, and I'm hopeful as well. I'm look, counting down the days until training camp. Three more weeks from uh, this coming Wednesday, they'll be in Dove Valley practicing. 
I don't. I just don't want any pro Rogers fan out there expecting a move by the 27th. Though that's the, a very very early deadline that I think is getting pushed to that. You know, gets pushed back the third time now from one side or the other. So it could be in August. It could be maybe early September if or when Rogers is moved out of Cheeseheadland. Uh, Silman, you got to get your numbers straight, my dog. If you're going to come correct, you got to get your numbers straight. Fifth team for Teddy Bridgewater. This is Teddy's fifth NFL club. Get it straight, my friend. Um, all right, let me see here. What else is in the chat tonight? Oh, we got Michaela the Duchess is with us, and we're stoked because this is officially the last podcast that we will ever broadcast without saying that we've had a chance to have Michaela on the show. Michaela is going to join us Wednesday night for a superstar segment, long awaited. Much anticipated, and we can't wait. It's going to be great. She says, with all this Rodgers drama, I'm really turned off by him. Drew is my quarterback. Hashtag down with Drew Lock derangement syndrome. LOL. Zach, before you reply to this, it actually reminds me. Actually, reply to Michaela, and then I'm going to pull something up I wanted to get well, to tonight. Can I uh, apply? Can I just say something in response to Silman? He's saying, name them. He's challenging you on this Vikings, Saints, Panthers, Broncos, forgetting the Jets there. So that's the fifth team, Silman. I mean, you're trying to attack us with our, for our credibility when you don't even know how many teams Teddy Bridgewater has played for. So that's a weird hill to die on, my dog. But, Michaela, we appreciate you. Anytime we can have royalty on this show, we've had Christy on multiple times. We are so looking forward to having you on, Michaela, and thanking you in real life for all the support that you've bestowed upon us. Thank you again. All right, so Jake Plummer is uh, trying his hand at acting. He's in a new show, a new movie that will be coming out soon, fictitious uh, role where he plays a quarterback in the CFL. Uh, It's called Kick, as you can see here. And he did an interview with the USA Today Wire sites, uh, doing some promo for that. And I don't know. I was thinking about that, Zach. You know what? The one thing that we didn't consider, because they've talked to us, these publicists trying to promote the new movie and stuff, Maybe we should see if Jake wants to come on the show. Maybe that would be mm. something that would be different. We'll, yep. we'll see how it works out. But something interesting he had to say relative to the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. I'm going to just read these two paragraphs because they are insightful. And for me, dude, as a guy who was a big Jake Plummer fan back in the day, um, anytime he talks, I, I listen. My ears perk up a little bit. Quote, I was told early on in my career, when you go through the rankings of an organization, especially an NFL organization, The owner is the most important, and then people think the head coach. But usually, it's the quarterback that's either two or three, right with the GM. So a quarterback holds a lot of power, and I think the players don't have a lot of power in this league. And he, Rodgers, is kind of asserting himself, saying, hey, why should I be forced to play on a team that I don't want to play for? Now, it comes off as an arrogant, spoiled, narcissistic athlete, but, I mean, we only get so long to do this, to play this game. So with the beating we put ourselves through, I think it's only appropriate that a guy who's one of the greatest to ever play the game, I mean, make it work. Make it work for yourself. Make it the right fit. However that is, make it happen because I sorely would miss him slinging the ball around. He's fun to watch play. Close quote. So, Zach, Jake Plummer, given his vote of confidence to Aaron Rodgers to continue being Aaron and do what he feels is right, and if you – support players over owners first, it's kind of a position that, look, I I don't love it personally in terms of like if this was, if if I'm putting myself in the Packers shoes as a Packers fan, like I would hate this. But at the same time, if I was a Packers fan, I'd be asking myself, what led us to this point? You know, how did we get to this fork in the road 
where Aaron Rodgers, arguably the greatest quarterback we've ever had, even though it's Brett Favre, but still arguably, right? Top three, definitely in our pantheon. Top two. I mean, Bart Starr was good for his time, but let's face it, different animals in today's game. How did we get to this point where our one of the greatest ever wants out of our city, one of the most cherished uh, NFL franchises, you know, I mean, the litany of and who's who list of players the Packers have in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's long. How did we get to this point? You got to start questioning owners, not ownership uh, management from the president, Mark Murphy, on down to uh, Gutekunst, the GM, to the head coach, to all of it. You got to wonder that. But, Zach, this is about Jake Plummer saying, look, because of that, Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to, you know, he's only got a finite moment in time to continue playing this game, make it work, whatever that fit in your mind might be, Aaron, go find it, find a way, make a way. I'm not, you know, I appreciate Plummer's honesty here, but I'm not surprised that a former player is siding with the player. I'm not surprised a former quarterback is siding with the quarterback. I just think it's kind of funny that Jeremy Fowler hyped up Aaron Rodgers as the most competitive player in the world. And what did Jay Plummer say? Spoiled narcissist. I think that falls quite short of that. So I, I appreciate Plummer's point of view. And if we can get him on the show, Chad, that would be quite handy to break down what we think and pick his mind about what he thinks about the Aaron Rodgers and Drew Locke saga. Uh, while we're on that, well, let's grab Doug here. Doug, it's good to see you, buddy. It's been a minute. Great to have you back with us. He says, uh, and by the way, we still love your profile pic on YouTube. Quality. He says, what's up, Priest? Finally back in the saddle on the lives. Is football here yet? I'm ready for the 50-50 drama, talking about the quarterback competition, to be over. Much love, boys. Hashtag let them hate. And while we're on the let them hate topic, look at that. Get yourself a let them hate t-shirt, right? Um, huddleuppod.com. Probably top two or three seller on the merch store since its inception. Anyway, check that out, gang. Uh, real quick, Chad, I know Silman, John Sakaris, Silman, I believe that's an obvious troll. Silman is trying to pretend that Teddy Bridgewater never played for the Jets. Uh, that right there is a picture of Teddy Bridgewater <laughs> playing for the Jets. So see you later, uh, Silman. Nice try. Yeah, yeah. Charge it to the game. Every bridge has its troll, right? Doug, it's good to see you, buddy. Um, yeah, you know, again, I also look forward to when the whole quarterback battle thing is no longer a uh, trope. But yeah. <laughs> let me tell you something, guys. Oh, I, again, I want you guys to keep your expectations somewhat in check because I really don't think you're going to see Drew Lockzak show up to training camp and suddenly just be 100% aces day in and day out. I think there's a chance that he could be that guy and and really you know leave Teddy in the dust. But I think you're going to continue to see a lot of what you've seen in the past, but just better – by a stretch in terms of, you know, high highs, a couple of days where he's doing this up and down, up and down, then another high high where you're like, that gum, that was cool. And then this and that. Meanwhile, Teddy's going uh, to be steady as she goes, take what the defense gives, check it down, move the chains. And so you're going to see this uh, in the in the media conversation. You're going to see media guys, same as 2016 and 2017, where they're like, Trevor Simeon wins every day. Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon. They're focusing on the floor. They're not focusing on the ceiling. But I think the guys calling the shots this time have a different philosophy than what Elway, well, not really Elway, what Gary Kubiak had in 2016. Uh, and that is, look, we want to swing for the fences. We know Checkdown City is not going to allow us to compete in the AFC West. Like We got to really strive to duke it out with the best of the best. Who gives us the best chance to do that? 
Time will tell. I, I can tell you, though, for certainty, Chad, we don't know everything about Drew Locke, but I can tell you for damn sure, as straightforward says here, 299 Super, thank you. Drew should grow his Zach Beard. He doesn't want that. I promise you it's a lot more trouble than it's worth. I mean, it, it, you brush your teeth and toothpaste gets caught in it. Food. You have to constantly manscape. Helps me out a lot. I give a lot of love to Manscaped. Helps me with that. But, you know, having a beer, growing a beer, maintaining a beer, it's not even that long, and it grows back so fast. But it's it's more trouble than you think it is straightforward. And I, I don't think Drew wants that on his plate. He has enough. It's good to see you, by the way, straightforward. Thanks for the support, my friend. Um, all right, let me see where we're at here. We got Ron Dub in the house. What's going on, Ron? It's been a minute, my friend. Ron's been with us a long, long time. In fact, my memory of Ron dates all the way back to when we started doing our podcast as a live stream, September-ish of 19. So it's good to see you, Ron. Always brings good questions, good topics. Yeah. He says, hey, guys, long time. What defensive player will have the most forced fumbles and which one will have the most tackles for a loss? Also, are we still on for September? If so, looking forward to it. Yes, Ron, we'll see you September 26th, right outside in Powerfield at Mile High. It's going to be hard to miss. You're going to see a big old tent with the MHH logos. You're going to see myself. You're going to see Zach chilling, uh, meet and greets. We'll be doing some uh, live podcasts. We'll be doing some content. John will be there. Luke will be there. Eric will be there. Uh, Lance will be there. We're going to get his – Mike will be there. Hopefully KB, Kenneth Booker, will be there. We'll see who else from, from the staff is able to make it. And as many of our community mavens as possibly, what we want you guys there. So, Ron, hope to see you there. But – uh, what's your answer? Who who has for the Broncos the most forced fumbles and who has the most tackles for a loss, Zach? This is a really good question. Oh, well, I, I would assume tackles for a loss. Yeah, I'm going – I agree with John here about Purcell anyway. I mean, this is your guy who was holding down the nose tackle spot quite well. He was either among the top five or literally the best-ranked nose tackle in the league at some point. So with the Broncos defensive line, Draymond, Shelby, and now the full complement of, of linebackers with Bradley Chubb and Von Miller – I'm going uh, for uh, for tackles for loss, Mike Purcell. Force fumbles, though. I'm going to say whoever gets the most sacks probably has the more, most force fumbles, unless the Broncos have some sort of peanut Tillman at cornerback this year, which I don't think is a probability. So in that case, I'm going with Von Miller. I think we're going to see a Von-type season from number 58, uh, what we're accustomed to a few years ago, 12 to 15 sacks, and I think five force fumbles could be in his uh, wheelhouse this coming season. John, who said that Vaughn most forced, AJ? Uh, yeah, I agree 100% right here with Sam. I'm going to say it's either going to be Vaughn or Chubb with the most forced fumbles, probably Vaughn. Chubb has yet to really show up in that department. Like he's, He'll get you some sacks and bunches here and there. He's very streaky. But I've yet to really see him make that game-changing play where you know you're protecting a two-point lead, you know, other team has the ball under two minutes. You need a stop or a turnover or you're down. You need to get the ball back. I've yet to see Chubb. I'm trying to rack my memory here. I don't have one of Bradley Chubb making that kind of a game-changing play, whereas for Von Miller, I mean, it's one memory after another. Now, it's been a while since Von has really been that guy, but I'm thinking Von, the Von that fans are going to get this year is going to be – not just a new and improved Vaughn, but this dude's hungry, man. Like, yeah, he missed out on ball last year. There were questions about his future in, in Denver at the top of this of this calendar year. He's got a new son coming along. I think you're going to see a very fresh and vibrant yes. Vaughn Miller, which is going to bring you right back, hopefully, 
to the 2011, 2012, 2013, 20, 2011 through 2015 version of the man. A couple points. Yeah, I think physically fresh because he had a year off, essentially. His body did from playing. And also, Chad, he's auditioning for a new contract either in Denver or with another team. He wants to probably cash out one more time knowing that edge rushers in the NFL have a pretty long shelf life. He's not that old. So if he goes back to being the Vaughn of old, he can get paid like the Vaughn of old. And I think that's an incentive for him this year. But I'm serious about Chubb, man. That's the one thing. Like, he got himself some sacks last year, and God bless him, he made the Pro Bowl. Love it, man. Love that he's got that on his resume. But I want to see this dude become a game wrecker, just like Vaughn. Uh, real quick here, want to shout out a few of our top stars on Facebook today. Appreciate each and every one of you. Real quick, John, then we'll grab Tom. Claude, Andrew, Chris, thank you for the stars, guys. You you. are uh, the three amigos today on Facebook, and we appreciate each one of you. Thank you for the support. Each one of those stars, man, they add up. And we have a goal on Facebook when we reach, I think it's 500,000 stars, we are going to give away a Von Miller jersey. So if you're on Facebook, you're watching this, you want to get to that moment sooner than later, we're going to give that jersey away to someone on Facebook, right? A Facebook listener, viewer, et cetera. So Claude, Andrew, Chris, you guys are chipping in to get us to that point. So we appreciate that. Speaking of stars, though, and I don't see Zebulon there, the overlord of the galaxy, it always throws me off. I hope you're out there enjoying Zebulon, and thank you guys that we mentioned for the stars. There he is right there. I think Zebulon has been, like, in the unknown regions trying to track down, like, you know, Darth Plagueis the Wise and see if he's still alive and whatnot. I don't know, but Zebulon, uh, Zebulon, you know we love you, dude. I'm a nerd. I'm a nerd, so it's all good. What was that uh, super there, John, that, that we were talking over from Tom? Where's Tom at? Let's find Tom. There he is up in Canada proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is a state of being. It's wherever you are. Tom, appreciate you, buddy. He says, just keeping the lights on. Rock with lock. Let him hate. I don't know why this reminded me of it, but to Ron's, I wanted to say something to Ron before we have the meetup. And this goes to anyone else out there. We're going to have our fantasy league. I'm starting to jot down names right now for the MHH fantasy league. If you guys want in, please let us know in the comments. John will take, we have a a running file of uh, participants. We want to get in this year. First come first, sir, but I'm throwing it out there for you, Ron. If you haven't heard yet, uh, hit us up if you want. Absolutely. Always fun. Uh, Real quick here from Michael, Michael droppers. Kurt Warner put out a lock evaluation video. Nothing mind-blowing. At the same time, seems like things he can correct and get this thing rolling. Yes, I did check that out over the weekend. Uh, very Anytime you can see a Hall of Fame quarterback pull up you know, a whiteboard, so to speak, even though it's real film, um, and, and go to town and kind of just showcase that acumen, and especially when it's one of your guys, right? If it's a Denver Bronco and you can – Always appointment viewing. I don't have the link here <laughs> fighting the Romulans for you. Uh, I don't have the uh, link, but it's definitely worth a watch. Just search Kurt Warner, Drew Locke on YouTube. You'll find it. Very good stuff. But you know what's nice? There was no hot takes. There was no manufactured stats like pro football focus. It was straight up Kurt Warner's analysis. And in this day and age where that's increasingly rare, I appreciate it. All right, let me see where we're at. There's one other topic that I wanted to get to tonight. Let me just see where everyone's mind is at in the chat here before I do that. All right, here we go from Quincy on Facebook. Chad and Zach, uh, little bro in the stream. How y'all been? Good. We can't complain, dude. We're living the dream. Besides QB, running back, wide receiver, I'm excited to see Justin Sternod guarding 
tight ends. Hopefully. Yeah, that's the dream, man. That's the hope. Unfortunately, you know, the last two years, you know, the Broncos have looked around and said, look, we, you know, our, our off-ball linebacking core is reliable. It's productive in the run game, but it still leaves something to be desired in the coverage game. So we're going to go ahead and draft Justin Sternod. Damn, wrist. This year. Okay, now we're going to go draft Baron Browning. <laughs> I see Damn. where you're going. <laughs> Lower leg. You're like, that gum, dude. What's going on here? So fingers crossed that Justin Sternod and Baron Browning, by the time we get to camp, I mean, Sternod's healthy. So I'm talking about history. But in Browning's case, let's hope he's healthy too. I'm really excited to see both those guys compete. Yeah. Now, Sternod, Fangio said himself, Zach, just talked a couple of weeks ago, he's still basically a rookie because, you know, he didn't get any OTAs because he's a 2020 rookie. He showed up to training camp and three practices in, I want to say, suffered that wrist injury that ended his season. So we're all excited and intrigued to see what this dude looks like. Yeah, I'm a bigger Baron Browning fan than Sternod, and I think he'll be more explosive and dynamic at the NFL level. But I want to throw two names out there. Sua Cravens and Mark Barron. I, I want nothing to do with those failure type of experiments anymore. God willing, hopefully, either Sternod or Baron Browning or both, preferably, uh, pan out for the Broncos because this tight end, Achilles heel of letting Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey and the rest run free, it has to end ASAP. John, did you see a comment from Black Knight? I, I don't know if I missed it. He's Jeremy's talking about, was it the Saints comment that he's talking about? Uh, oh, no, no, right here. Zach, I don't think Rodgers is wanting money. I think it's a few different things. Um, and here's here's he he elucidates a little bit. A better roster is a big one of one of the things he wants. Uh, Jeremy, but you'd be naive to think money's not one of those things, though. It might not be number one, but it's not lower than number two. He wants to be in the $40 million club. And I don't know if he'd be going through this hullabaloo and, and, and making these waves if he didn't win MVP last year. It seemed like it almost it, – one of his interviews he gave this offseason, it almost seemed like it surprised himself how effective he was playing at age – what would it be, 36 going into 37 last year? So I think it gave him more power, more leverage, and a bigger voice to vocalize what he wants. Might be a bigger roster, better roster, more power, uh, but I think money is definitely on that laundry list for A-Rod. I think it is too, but I am – this is this is one of those topics Zach and I don't perfectly share a brain on. I don't think it's the top – my read on this is money is not the critical key issue that could solve everything. I do agree, though, that – in a, his heart of hearts, he wants to be in that 40 million club. I'd be dying to know, Zach, if the offer we know the Packers made to him uh, some at some point in May, I'm trying to remember as two or three weeks after the draft, after all this drama broke, the Packers made him some kind of an offer that he rebuffed. I'd love to know what, what the details of that deal were because he's already a top six paid quarterback in the league, right? This dude's already crushing it financially, but I wonder what that offer was. Couldn't have been great if he didn't accept it. Couldn't have been north of $40 million. I'm going to just assume that right now. It's like uh, Vito Corleone, right? Make him an offer he can't refuse. So Packers did not go to the lengths of the Godfather in this case. Shame Take on the that. cannolis, though, Aaron. Take the cannolis. Uh, Michaela jumping in again. Oh, no. We'll, we'll, no, let's grab Peter Tiger. real quick. No, we'll grab Michaela. Peter, what's up, dude, in Australia? Uh, he says, good morning, priests. Zach, destroying trolls. Let them hate. Broncos for life. Hey, dudes, it's just part of the game. You know, like I cringe when I when I say, you know, I'm a public figure. But when you get up and you and you shine a light on yourself and you broadcast and you represent a, a cherished brand like Sports Illustrated and all that stuff, 
you know, you do become in a very minor sense. All right. For us covering a single team, a public figure. And when you are a public figure, whether you're doing podcasts or live streams or whether you're just a writer that's publishing, you put yourself out there, people are going to come at you. It's par for the course. Like, it's almost like, hey, has anyone ever knocked doors? Like, has anyone ever been a salesman? Or not just knocked doors. Have you ever been a salesman? Have you ever sold cars? Whatever it might be. You have to get used to, you got to have thick enough skin to not be completely crushed when someone tells you no or offers up an objection, right, in sales. Same principle with what we do here. You're going to get criticized. You're going to have trolls come at you. There are going to be haters. It's going to happen. Guys, it's water off a duck's back. It's, we don't even, we could not care less, but we do appreciate your support. Trust. Remember kiddies, people don't hate losers. Well said. Michaela, again, the Duchess flexing hard on super chat. I wonder if Colts fans were as vicious to Peyton Manning when he had 26 picks in his rookie year and 100 in his first five seasons. Wondering. If they yeah. had social media, they, it would have been. That's that's the game changer. It gives everyone a voice, everyone anonymity, everyone power to speak up behind a keyboard and facing no repercussion. It was a much different ball game back then. Drew Locke would have faced a tenth of the criticism he's facing now. Social media, uh, I can go on a whole you know three-hour tangent about it. It ruins so many things about the modern world, Chad, but for sports and sports reporting, it really changed the game in a bad way. I'll tell you, I'm old enough to remember that Peyton Manning was highly criticized highly criticized. In fact, Broncos fans, put yourselves back into the 02, excuse me, 03, 04 playoffs in the back-to-back years in which the Broncos got bounced in the wild card round with Jake. It was Jake versus uh, Peyton. Both years in a row by the Peyton Manning-led Indianapolis Colts blows out the Broncos in embarrassing fashion. And you're going, okay, this juggernaut, you know, especially in 04 when he set the new, he broke Dan Marino's single season touchdown record. Marino had the record of 48. Peyton threw 49, which was caught, of course, the 49th by Brandon Stokely, a historical moment. The book on Peyton in that moment in time, while he's breaking records left and right, was he can't win the big one. It was skeptical that he's the best regular season quarterback of his time, but he just can't make hay in the playoffs. The critics are always going to be out there. And, of course, Peyton got the last laugh just a couple years later. He finally wins a Super Bowl, beats the Bears and all that stuff, and then he goes on to get another one in Denver. He's going, he's in the hall of fame. You know, he gets the last laugh, but Michaela, you're absolutely right that Peyton Manning was heavily criticized. Now, how much of that din and how loud did it get in and around Indianapolis? I can't say for sure because that wasn't in Indianapolis, but I know from at least a national perspective, Zach, there were some very harsh skeptics of Peyton Manning all the way up until even after he broke Dan Marino's record in, in 04, all the way up until he beat the Bears. And I can even remember, Zach, people in national media going, he wins the Super Bowl, great, you know, he can check that off. But we're talking about the Rex Grossman Bears here. I mean, who are we really – are we impressed by Peyton Manning? I mean, it's, it got ridiculous to a certain point. Because some people will be contrarian for the sake of being contrarian and nothing can change their minds. And But I can see the comments being written now. And I almost want to do an experiment – uh, Chad compares or, you know, Zach and Chad compare true lock to Peyton Manning. You know, what are you guys talking about? I already see the criticisms and going back to our previous question that we got, it's, it's nothing for us. We relish that. We relish the debate, bringing up, we're not saying that, but you know, that's, what's going to be said. It's inevitable. All right, guys, a couple more, and then we got to go for tonight. Straightforward again. Thanks my friend. And another one, uh, across the beautiful Pacific in Hawaii. Good to see you, my friend again. 
He says, aloha and missed you guys. We missed you too. Where you been, dog? If we control time of possession with the ball and make less turnovers, I see playoffs with what we got. Yeah, Zach, the one thing that I probably left out of the equation when I wrote that article up about PFF uh, ranking the Broncos roster in the NFL's top 10 was the fact that the Broncos have, for the first time in a few years, a relatively easy schedule. That favors them, especially early on, man. That's a soft first yeah. quarter of the season. So if Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater, whoever gets the the tap to you know be the cue, can't make hay with that slate of opponents, I shudder to think what the 2021 season ultimately has in store for this team. But I don't think that'll be the case. I think the Broncos are going to not exploit, but – capitalize on that relatively soft schedule especially that first quarter of the year yeah I was going to say because the second quarter or toward the middle part it gets pretty treacherous it's not the easiest docket for the Broncos to have uh but when the weather starts turning though what what is the the counter to that for a successful team that would be a successful running game and that's why they used and traded up for uh, you know in the second round for Javante Williams they think paired with Melvin Gordon and Mike Boone and maybe Royce Freeman they can have a lethal ground game and that will help any quarterback whether it's Locke Bridgewater or Aaron Rodgers and that's the key though is minimizing the errors and capitalizing where you can. Take take control of the ball. Don't turn it over. Hopefully convert those drives into touchdowns and let your defense do the rest. It's a fairly simple process. Leroy, longtime listener and supporter of MHH on Facebook. Good to see you, my friend. He says, hey, guys, long time no see. Question, not to be negative, but if things don't work out with Vic Fangio and he gets fired, who do you want as the next head coach? Who should Peyton bring in? Zach, my heart would be set. Now, this could change, is you know, just like the very question about like, hey, there's no quarterbacks in the top in the first round next year. You know, why didn't we take Justin Fields? The season is going to reveal more candidates for that first round by the time you get through the college football year. Same thing applies to a head coaching carousel uh, in January of 2022. The coming football season, both at the NFL and collegiate level, I guarantee you will expose at least one additional coach candidate for that. But I'm leaning offense. I'm looking at the guy I would have my eye on specifically, Brian Dable of the Buffalo Bills. It cannot be a defensive mind. And if I had it my way, the Broncos would go with the current instead of against the current. So a young offensive mind. And like Chad said, there's going to be, there's always new candidates every year. What we can see the candidates that are going to be on the market next off season Chad mentioned Brian Dayball, Greg Roman in Baltimore. You have Kellen Moore in Dallas. I mean, even Mike LaFleur in New York, if he has a good year with Zach Wilson, he could be a candidate as well. The good thing is there's way more young offensive candidates that are going to be on the market next year. And by the way, this is the year hopefully Eric Bieniemy gets a head coaching job. And I don't say that for the Rooney rule or any type of social reason. I just think he's a really, really good coordinator who deserves his shot. But regardless, as long as it's an offensive mind, I am A-OK. The Broncos passed twice on that, and Vance Joseph and Vic Fangio, it's time to write that error. On the subject of Biennemi not getting head coaching gigs, I talked to a guy in uh, KC who was a trusted source who I said, dude, what's going on with that? Why can't this cat get a freaking head coaching gig? And word on the street is it's his interviews. This is what this guy told me, is that he is not impressed in interviews. And I said, well, what do you mean? Like, he doesn't you know, give a good presentation or what? And he said, no, it's more like he shows up and says, this is who I am. This is what I am. Take it or leave it. Catch you later. 
and uh, it just has rubbed a lot of these owners the wrong way. You know who interviewed well, though? Vance Joseph. (laughs) True. True. There's so many counterpoints to that. And I can't imagine Bill Belichick ever interviewed well. Can you? No. I mean, there's so many coaches that just aren't great speakers or presenters. They live on the chalkboard. They live on the field, and that's the guy I want. As long as he can do it, it's a fair criticism. It's a fair point to wonder as to why he hasn't gotten it. But coming from the Chiefs, plucking one of their top assistants who's worked with Patrick Mahomes, what's there not to be intrigued about? Albert's comment about social media being a double-edged sword reminded me of something, a real quick anecdote. So my wife, you know, opposites attract, right? And I was, musically, I was always like a, you know, I've always been a big punk rock guy. I like some metal, hardcore, stuff like that. Fast, heavy, um, aggressive type of music. And I married a ranch girl, right? I married a country girl. She's into country music and few years back, um, uh, Garth Brooks goes on tour, and so she drags me along. We go, and this dude puts on a three-hour show. And it, even though I was ready to bounce an hour in, I'm like, good enough. You seeing what you want to see? Okay, let's go. You know, she, of course, was just loving it, having a good old time. But this dude played for three hours. Now my point. All right. So I had to take my hat off to him. I was like, that gum, dude. This guy's – I don't necessarily love the music myself, but this dude's a showman. So the other day over the weekend, you know, we're surfing through Netflix and we find this uh, Garth Brooks biography type deal on uh, on Netflix. And his thing, he says it multiple times, something his dad taught him or something. And he uses this these gesticulations that are a little bit ridiculous. But he's like, everything that's a blessing is a curse. And everything that is a curse is a blessing. And it's kind of it's it's actually pretty ridiculous. And I laughed. I'm laughing even now thinking about it, but it's true about social media anyway, right? Because even though it it uh, made everything at the tip of our fingers, we can all talk to each other. We can all react to things in real time. We're all in kind of this long form, never ending conversation that unfortunately sometimes devolves into echo chambers and it can get crazy. But at the same time, you know, it made the flow of information and community much easier and all that stuff. So I guess that's a little Garth Brooks, pardon me, wisdom for you, Zach. Everything that's a blessing is a curse. I was hoping you wouldn't do it again. It's it's fairly creepy. No, I think it does way more bad than good, actually. And I know it sounds hypocritical because I'm on Twitter, but, you know, I'm on there professionally. It's part of my job to be on there. It's just given more dissemination for, you know, misinformation or fake news, whatever you want to call it. It's given people that shouldn't have platforms platforms. It's caused a big divide in the entire world, not just in the NFL or in America, but um, you know, we got to just live with it now. We got by without it for so many years. I don't have to have instant communication with people. I don't have to know what an athlete's doing at a certain time or a celebrity. I think pre-social media chat, it was just fine as far as I'm concerned. We'll uh, put a pin in the idea <clears throat> to go through Bob Morris's article today. John, you and I are sharing a brain on that. That's I did want to get to that, but we'll we'll do that Wednesday. Because, guys, we are officially out of time. Thank you so much for spending some of your Monday evening and, and the day that punctuates your 4th of July weekend with us. We do appreciate each and every one of you. Mile high salute to our Super Chat superstars and Facebook supporters. Thanks to each and every one of you. And then we're off tomorrow night, of course, but we're back in the saddle Wednesday. We're going to have Michaela on the show. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a gas. Can't wait to talk to you guys then. Zach, sign us out, bro. 
Yeah, maybe we'll have more Aaron Rodgers news to piss off the masses even more. But we appreciate you guys. Chad, have a great night, John. Everyone else out there, be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. If you are on Twitter, social media like we just talked about, go to at MileHighHuddle to follow the Mother account. Please be sure to follow the Beast on Twitter, BuanaBeast at John KMHH. You can follow Chad on Twitter, as you can see, at Chad and Jensen. You can follow me at Kelberman NFL. Please, guys, if you haven't already, go to Facebook.com slash MileHighHuddlePod. Like the page, follow the page. We appreciate you. Also, Facebook.com slash MileHighHuddle. Exclusive content. Become a supporter. Big blue button. I promise you guys. We have Broncos Book Club on there. Uh, we got Trickle Zone on there and Kelberman's Corner on there. It's great. We weekend content, exclusive content. If you haven't done so already, check that out. Also, huddleupon.com and get your swag. Get yourself, look at that football pre-shirt. Look at those creepy, weird faces that you see on your screen that somehow made it on the t-shirts and apparel and clothing. But yes, great shirt, fits really nicely. It's great for the summer. And we hope to see it on many of you at the week three meetup at Mile High. But Please, guys, among anything else, if you haven't done those things, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share. It helps us grow, as Chad said earlier, more than anything else you guys can do. We just hit the one-hour mark. We're off tomorrow. I'll be back Wednesday with Michaela, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. Take care, and as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.